when I was in college, I took a women's self-defense class and they straight up said, statistically, watch out for athletes. <laughs> oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. The lady said that point blank in the class. She was just like, sorry, but statistically, um, the the people who are, or there's a lot of like that whole, there's a lot of testosterone going on. And so just be very careful of athletes. That's what they said in there. Oh, so what the, what the fuck, man? Like what's happening with the, well, I think, I think that was all about because a bunch of people came out and we're talking about David Starr and he had had allegations about a year ago to my knowledge. Um, So this wasn't new. No, I think, I think it, it's just more pronounced because a lot more people came out about it. I feel like all of the big guys in, in Britain are all just all of them. <laughs> like, yeah. What's that about? And then I guess everybody was freaking out because like, uh, Carmela said something about water sports and then everybody was like, Carmela likes getting peed on. And I was like, okay, that seems less important, but well, I mean, all if- right. I mean, it doesn't matter how many women get sexually assaulted. If Carmela says something like that, that immediately is the yeah, no, most that's important it, thing. It 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 shot up pretty high in relation to all of the other stuff that was going on for the week. Um, that and like, I think I don't know something with Jim Cornette. I don't know. It's always, there's always something with Jim Cornette. It's 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 a rabbit hole, right? You click on something first, you wake up, and because you're in the United States, <clears throat> you get that early morning. Uh, k-pop uh news uh, <laughs> yeah what so what, what k-pop stands did to alt-right people this week it's uh it's wild i end up like i ended up going down a rabbit hole the other day because of matt gates like he oh the politician yeah he like was with some random guy and everybody's like who's that guy and he's like this is my son i adopted when he was 12 that I've never said anything about ever. Twitter turns you into a wannabe detective. Hello, welcome to Inside the Promo, the only podcast looking at professional wrestling's most notorious television segments through an investigative lens. My name is Matthew Newleaf, and that voice you heard earlier was Alyssa. She's joining us again for tonight's show, where we speak with the in-house traveling barber uh, for the WWF in the 80s and 90s. And he's going to talk to us about the split up between the Rockers, Shawn Michaels, and Marty Jannetty. But before we get into that, I first want to talk about the response to last week's show, The Pillar of Salt, which once again was uh, the most, the latest episode is the most downloaded episode in the history of Inside the Promo. And I have you all to thank for that. Last week, we called on the Stanford Police Department to reopen the Macho Man snake biting investigation and focus their attention on former WWF President Jack Tunney, who admitted to a cafeteria worker that he hated the macho man Randy Savage and that he wanted him dead by way of Cobra. Well, the response was uh, surprisingly mixed. A lot of pro Jack Tunney tweets uh, and emails, and I just want to um, 
Well, I want to read one of these emails. I'm just going to pick one at random. Um, here we go. All right. This one is from Jack Tunney Stan at gmail.com. And the subject is hashtag Jack Tunney is innocent. He writes, Dear Matthew, I usually don't write emails like this, but I am so angry about your last episode of Inside the Promo that I had to say something. I hated it. It was nothing more than a 30-minute hit piece on a dead man who is not here to defend himself. Jack Tunney was the finest authority figure the WWF has ever seen. Whether ruling on a controversial title change or laying down the law on a match stipulation, he made the decisions that were best for the integrity of the sport, while doing so with confidence and resolve. The Macho Man was aggressive, paranoid, controlling, and a danger to himself and others. He was bound to get bit by a cobra eventually. And I don't know where you found this Byron Feldstein, but he sounds like a disgruntled employee exacting revenge on a former employer. I would expect this kind of garbage take from so-called wrestling journalists like Dave Meltzer, Wade Keller, and uh, Zane Melter, but not from you. Zane Melter? How dare you compare me to Zane Melter, okay? Zane Melter couldn't hold my tape recorder, okay? He is the brick Tamlin of the internet wrestling community, all right? Ugh, disgusting. Investigate Jack Tunney, all right? That's the mailbag for this week. If you have any questions, hit us up on Twitter or Instagram at Inside the Promo or at Inside the Promo. Dot com and maybe I'll read your letter on the show if it's not garbage. When television producer Derek Fiorentino became lunch buddies with Vince McMahon in the late 80s, he thought it would be a perfect opportunity to slip Vince his screenplay. Vince was impressed enough to hire Derek with the WWF, but instead of becoming a contributing member of the creative team, Derek quickly fell into a position as a traveling barber for the wrestlers. This is a story of stolen intellectual property, haunted burial grounds, and the breakup of one of the most talented tag teams to ever grace the squared circle. That may sound like normal, everyday banter down at the barber shop, but it's not. It's tonight's episode of Inside the Promo, and we're calling it Baggy Thong Remarks. Uh, I mean, I, you know, I was a writer first, and I kind of fell into barbering. See, I was, um, mm -hmm. you know, the, the WWF brought me in to kind of punch some things up in the uh, late 80s, early 90s, and I was like uh, thinking like, you know, there ain't really no... It's not really any black stuff happening here. What if we had a wrestler who was a barber? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. and, he's, and he's coming at you with clippers. He's hitting you with clippers. He's throwing that blue stuff on you. You know? Great for hair matches. Yeah, he's, he's helping you with uh, solve major life problems. You know, uh, you, you get to play checkers. Uh, also, uh, you know, facilitates relationship with the mailman. I hand, I hand over my docs to uh, Vince McMahon and them, and they just kind of were like, all right, well, 
uh, what if it was a white guy with big scissors? And they asked me to kind of oversee the thing, but off camera. So I'm like, well, at least let me learn how to cut some hair. You know, when people get locked up and then they get a degree or learn mm -hmm. a trade, that was basically me. It's like when uh, actors learn how to do a thing before they, before they act in it, you know? You're just doing it as a writer so you can write about it better. Yeah, exactly. I tried to, uh, you know, really like uh, Old Man in the Sea, Hemingway style. All your duties as a barber also include complaining about the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys when nobody asks you about it. How did the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys just inflict so much terror on so many cities across the nation that people everywhere had to complain about it? Mm -hmm. You know how you hate watch things? This is the most universal hate watch in the country is the, Callis, the Dallas Cowboys. I almost said Dallas Cowboys. With that quarterback, I would say they are Dallas Cowboys. Cowboys, you know, you did, you, I could not have said it better. You said something very interesting. You said that this was something that kept you off drugs. I spoke to Byron Feldstein. You probably know him. He worked in the cafeteria um, at Titan Tower, and he told me that 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 at that point working there was pretty crazy. A lot of drugs. Was that your experience? Was it as crazy as it as he, Byron made it out to be? I mean, he probably was even being modest. I mean, as crazy as it could get. You know, all those like plate glass windows people was getting kicked through? All of that is cocaine. It was all oh. like, like reprocessed. Cocaine. That, the yeah, it's cocaine glass. Like classic when you see uh, Marty Jannetty get kicked through the glass and he's yeah. just hanging there for a while. Yeah, he was just getting some bumps in. He's, he's, he was just hitting, hitting the rails like Jack Grind Radio. Is this like pre-use cocaine or after use? Well, I guess technically it's both. It's like refried beans, but with okay. pure yeah. cocaine. All right. It's like croutons. Well, I actually read, I read a recent article on one of the dirt sheets that was saying that all of the new, the new plastic they're putting up between the ring and the and the audience right now, all of that's cocaine plastic. I think it's just really nice that it's environmentally friendly. So this set here, this was the actual barbershop where you cut a lot of wrestlers' hair. Yeah, I mean, you, typically there would only be one to one and a half black people on tour at any given time. So it would just, I would really only have like a couple clients a day. It'd be pretty white in them crowds too, but every, you know, I, I'd catch somebody I could send out like one of the, like when they give out free Chick-fil-A sandwiches at the Wizards game. Yeah. yeah, I could like send one of those Chick-fil-A parachutes to the one black person and say, hey, you need that touched up. And occasionally they'd be like, all right. No, that's pretty convenient. Did you guys move it like the whole thing? Just did it cut? Does it come apart? You have to build it back up? Or is it like a like a Doctor Who phone booth type thing? You just pick it up and put it in a truck. Oh, yeah, we're just picking that up and putting that in the truck. We're not breaking down anything. You got to keep the foundation as it is. Because what's underneath that, a lot of people don't know, that's it's um actually the barbershop set was built on an ancient burial ground. Oh, fuck. Uh, yeah, yeah. So we um we had to bring all that underneath, all of that topsoil, undersoil, permafrost, headstones, mm -hmm. casket, fossils. Can't take it like through a drive through or anything. And it'd be, it's, it's, kind of a bummer. it's painstaking. Like every time you, we brought that set out, it would be, it would take about 18 hours to move it from yeah. the truck to the, you know, with the ring. 
And uh, yeah, you, you, many thanks to those guys. It was the, the same staff the whole time. Um, Ronnie, Jeff, um, Elizabeth, um, mm-hmm. McCord, and um, uh, little, little Tony. And uh, man, little Tony almost died. Oh my uh, God. Messing around with a forklift because oh. we tried to cheat it one time. And that's when we found out, you know, we were dealing with, um, you know, dead ancient spirits and you can't, that's not to be uh, trifled with. Yeah. And that, that explains why they inducted little Tony into the hall of fame. Did you cut yeah. Coco Beware's hair? He seemed to have like a kind of a Jerry curl. Yeah. See, I just let him, you know, he just used to come hang out. We, we would, uh, you know, he throws, yeah, he'd come play checkers and we throw the bag on, you know, he would just have that, he would just have that like kind of like marinating because he because he had his own people. I would just kind of keep it maintained. And the trick is you take a Safeway bag, you know, get some get some spray in there and then you line. And yeah, it's just like a shower cap, but it's a yeah. Safeway bag. Um, what about Frankie the bird? His bird. Did you ever cut Frankie's hair? Well, I told him to actually get a bird. Never cut his hair, though. Oh, okay. Um, you were so, just there for life advice. That yeah, time. yeah. Th- that sounds like a barber's yeah. idea. Uh, what about the junkyard dog? He didn't really have a lot of hair. Yeah, see, now nah, he would come by bootleg uh, cassette tapes, though. That sounds like JYD. Yeah. Um, what about the natural Butch Reed? He actually had a, he, was, he had a blonde. He was short and blonde. I tried to get him to bleach it orange like Blanca. He didn't want it to, though. So, no, I also did not cut his hair either. What about Papa Shango? Now, he, he was bald. Did you shave his head? Well, he would come get the hot towel, but I never actually uh, put the razor on it, but I would hit him with a hot towel. Hot towel is nice. Yeah, it does feel good. Welcome to the barber shop, ladies and gentlemen. So, I, 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 want, to, I want to get into this promo. I don't want to waste your time. This is January of 1992. Um, a couple of a weeks before the Royal Rumble. We listened to the WWF uh, Wrestling Challenge. Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby the Brain Heenan on the call. And this is, uh, we're, we're watching another episode of The Barbershop, um, hosted by Brutus the Barber Beefcake. Now, which I'm fi- uh, finding out was actually um, your idea. Like, yeah, that? see, I-, I never put a lot of the blame on Brutus because I know how this business goes. If one person doesn't do it, you know, it's on to the next man. You know, he kind of took my thing and went his own direction. That's on me for just handing over, you know, intellectual properties like that. I should have probably like mailed it to myself. Uh, I, he never let me cut his hair. He would let me kind of, um, he would let me hit it with a little, little bit of um, little dry shampoo every now and again, a little hairspray, a little uh, every now and again. But the, but the mullet he had was, was very um, personalized and, and stylized. He didn't really touch it. He also didn't sleep lying down. He used to sleep standing up. That's how oh. it kept. That's how it kept its volume. I wasn't even supposed to be working at WWF what happened was really? I yeah I had a job so you remember CISO you remember the app CISO CISO yeah uh-huh. yeah 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 they tried to do that on VHS tapes in 92 and so like they had a whole we you know our offices was next to each other you feel me you know one day I'm just walking around and I'm like man you know what would be great like what if what if the rapper Ice Cube, this was also around the time, this is like right after um, uh, America's Most Wanted, you know, it's like, it, this is like mm-hmm. 
you know, prime like the nigga you love to hate time. But I was like, you know what? What if like Ice Cube was a family man? What if what if we showed the lighter side of Ice Cube and we made him uh, a young man with a, uh, 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 starting a family in the inner city of Chicago and he owned a barbershop that he was bequeathed uh, from his dad? You know what I mean? What if that was something that we had on CISO for VHS? And I'm just, I seen, Vin, me and Vince used to go, we used to get steak and cheeses together. And that's what it was. I was just picking his brain and I was like, hey, let me, tell me what you think of this. You know, and I just kind of handed him the full script to the movie Barbershop. It ended up being, it. Ended, I don't even know how they ended up making the movie years later. I also wasn't credited in that, but yeah, we oh. one day on a steak and cheese run, I show him my script. Yeah, next thing I know, he's like, "Hey, you know, would you you want to come do some stuff for us? I like this stuff. You got good stuff." And I'm like, "You like my movie?" And he was like, "Uh, yeah. Look, if you if you free, yeah, you can start whenever." And you know, he kind of like brushed me off. And then, you know, next thing you know, now I'm now now I'm in the back sweeping up my own hair because I was starting on my own. I cut my own hair at first. It's like when you when you become a tattoo artist and you just have to have exactly. all the real bad tattoos all over your like left arm it's actually i decided to try it i put it around my titty instead of my forearm how yeah. does one tattoo their own chest a couple mirrors did vince ever give you a reason why he wasn't interested he kind of brushed you said he brushed you off he just kind of brushed me off and then he offered me a job at the same time yeah. and you know that's I seen vince that's classic vince McMahon. that's classic anyone who tells you Anyone that talks to Vince McMahon will tell you that he will convince you of something and make you think it's your idea and don't even know where it came from. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Because if you read the Wikipedia page on you, which I did, I did a lot of research before this. I read your Wikipedia page and it do. says that you convinced Vince to give you a job. Whoa. Like, and not the other way around. It doesn't say that he offered you the job. It said that you, you were just barreling through that. That's what Wikipedia says. Well, you know, they, you know, I, that, some of that is a little bit true because I saw the writing on the wall. See, Don't let see him so? gaslight you. Don't let see, him gaslight you. That, you know, I knew that VHS thing wasn't going to fly. You know, I was early on the demise of Blockbuster and that's what led me to make Vince my lunch buddy because he didn't want to be lunch buddies with me. I just knew where the best steak and cheese was and yeah. he, yeah. Couldn't, he couldn't deny that. How did you first come across him? Like, how did you become steak and cheese buddies with Vince McMahon? In our office building, they had like a, a um, Mortal Kombat machine. You know? Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. That's good. And like good. Vince, Vince wouldn't play, but he would just stare at the um, the demo screen. Because you remember, you know how if you don't play for a while, right. oh, yeah, they, yeah. A, a random match would start? Yeah. 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 And he would just sit there and wait for them, them, them simulations to just to whisk him away. I don't know where he was. I don't know where it would take him. He wouldn't talk. He wouldn't blink. He would just be staring at simulated Mortal Kombat fights. Just a, just a true fighting fan to the core. To, yeah, deep inside of him. And so, you know, I knew, you know, every day about 315, here comes Freaky Vince stare, staring at Raiden. Yeah, and you took him to the best steak and cheese place in Stanford, Connecticut. Right here 
in the pages of the World Wrestling Federation magazine that maybe you guys are going to break up. Well, let me tell you something, Beefcake. There's no doubt that the Rockers are without a doubt the tightest team in the World Wrestling Federation. But I can assure you, as the captain of this team, that there are absolutely no problems with the Rockers whatsoever. They had some very serious mullets happening, so I wasn't really cutting the hair too much, but they would hang. Hey, boys. They would hang because sometimes we would get the sisters would come by. If there ever was a black woman at a wrestling event, they'd stop by the shop because I was also, you know, doing hair. I could fix up your edges a little bit. You know what I mean? Well, I had a couple uh hair dryers. You know, Shawn Michaels, heartbreak kid. He'd be like, hey, he's always like, hey, where's the hose at? And I'm like, I'm a, I'm a professional. Right. I'm a businessman. You know what I'm saying? Don't ask me uh, ridiculous, uh, frivolous questions like that. And I could kind of see the writing on the wall between the two of them. You remember, you see the uh, Michael Jordan documentary? You see that? I, I have not. I'm busy working on my documentary. Sometimes Michael make a joke. And the rest of the team didn't really like it. You know what I mean? A lot of, a lot of stuff like that. Sometimes sounds like he, Sounds like Mike. Yeah. Michael and that, Jordan. He played baseball for a little bit, and he played basketball in outer space with uh, cartoon aliens. Yeah, not, not into he, science, but thank you. Point is, you know, Sh- Sean would kind of, um, he was always making jokes at, at Marty's expense. Gotcha. You know, he, yeah, he'd, always be like, yeah. he'd be big time. And he'd be like, oh, oh, your mother looked like some shit today. Yeah. Why you're... Why your why your thong underwear look baggy today? Wow. You know what I mean. You know stuff stuff like that. He would always be kind of going at him, and I'd be like, "Yo, both of y'all draws look baggy." And that yeah, that baggy thong remark, that was the first when I the look on Marty's face because at that in that moment because you know Marty's a pretty he's a pretty chill dude. Yeah, unless you you get some of that you know some of yeah. that liquor in him, then things change. You fight yeah. cops. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. When he's when he's not off the 99 bananas of a sweetheart, a lovely guy. Well, and you don't want to insult a man's baggy thong. That's that's just crossing a line. And it sounds like you, you know, it sounds like you were kind of a beacon of truth as, uh, you know, the only black barber there. Um, Did you uh, did you cut Sapphire's hair? You said you cut the the fans. Sapphire was always uh, the the manager for. Uh, the American Dream, Dusty Rose. She was a fan uh, that came out of the crowd. Did you cut her hair? She also kind of had a Jerry curl. Oh yeah, you know, kind of the similar. I had her. Um, I had her on a pretty nice regiment of uh, different oils: uh, canola, mm-hmm. peanut, uh, mm-hmm. Wesson, whatever Wesson is. Probably canola too. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we drop a little bit of Crisco in there and kind of rub it around. Then back to the Safeway bag, yep. knot it up real good. Mm-hmm. Then put a do rag on top of that. Throw it in the blast chiller. Then we then we implement a blast chiller. Mm-hmm. A blast chiller. We and her would just hang out in the freezer, you know, because we made it more fun. It was more of a social thing. Yeah. We would just talk yeah. in the freezer together for about thirty or so, and then boom. That's I mean, she looked great though. So, I mean, you're doing a great you job. Did Thanks. That's fantastic. So the Rockers come on the show. Uh, Sean, um, you know, you can kind of see, you know, he's got the leather jacket. He's got this uh, baggy, um, you know, this baggy thong of an attitude. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, his attitude is very baggy. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, that's true. There is someone who is better, but that doesn't make you the captain. Okay. We need credentials. I could, I could understand where Marty was coming from. I don't see a captain C on your little wrestling briefs. Well, and just because you're more talented doesn't mean you're the leader always, you know? Exactly. Because in-ring talent doesn't necessarily mean leadership talent. Like how many CEO development books has he read, right? How do we yeah. know he's a leader? How, and you know Marty was doing their taxes. Let's don't come out here and lie to the people. Everybody here knows there is friction between the rockers. Let's get it straight tonight. Let's straighten the thing out. First of all, listen to yourself. The captain of the Rockers, nobody ever picked a captain for this team. We've done everything together. Let's take a few weeks back. We had a match on television. We almost lost because I went for the tag and you were down the apron somewhere flirting with a girl ringside. Hey, hey, what do you want from me? Chicks dig me. I can't help it. Shawn Michaels, a a victim of his own penis, as a lot of men are. But, you know, he, I don't think he actually had sex for many of those years. I think what happened was... Um, thong you know, was too loose. Yeah, loose thongs and all that. That's not gonna, girls like, aren't going to like that. You know that term, raised by wolves? Sure. Mm-hmm. I think Shawn Michaels was raised by middle schoolers. So he was always putting out a horny energy, but he never. I never saw him hold a lady's hand or uh do oh. a spin and twist i think he wanted to but he didn't he could never figure it out in that final third he didn't know how to uh yeah. he didn't know how to score getting in his own head yeah you know but that's how he got so good at kicking because of the, the sexual frustration in his own mind and he i mean he was the sexy boy but it always kind of seemed like a vague facsimile yeah. of a sexy he, boy yeah he was yeah. a sexy boy but not your boy toy i think that really vince was the sexy boy oh for sure vince was yeah. the boy toy he was definitely the boy but, toy. yeah he, him and madeline albright used to fuck wow vince yeah. and madeline albright mm-hmm. i can see you know you know what now that i think about it she kind of has a linda mcmahon quality to her mm-hmm. um politics. he's got a type yeah, yeah, politics might be different though. Um, I could see that. I could see yeah. that attracts. Yeah, politics definitely hits different. Here I am wrestling Ric Flair, something you have never done, and I'm giving him the wrestling lesson of his life. And then here you come to save the day. Good job. Sean says that he had Ric Flair right where he wanted him, even though it looks like Shawn Michaels is unconscious. Yeah, I so. think a lot of people don't even realize that Marty actually brought him back to life. Have you seen the latest Star Wars? You seen the last Star Wars? Remember when uh, Kylo Ren, they jumping around off them cliffs, they in the ocean fighting, and then he, you know what I'm saying? He, he takes the hit, and then she fucking brings him back to life. Wait, so you, are you saying that uh, Shawn Michaels actually died? Shawn Michaels was dead in that Ric Flair match. Oh, my gosh. And when he laid his mulleted hands on him, he brought him back to life. A lot of people don't really know that they didn't see that. That's leadership. That's leadership. Having yeah. healing abilities, that means yeah. you the captain. Shawn's not the kind of guy to bring people back to life. Vince really let Shawn uh, get away with murder. In general, did you get ever get that feeling that Vince favored Sean? Oh, for sure. No, they've got some sort of they they made a uh, blood pact. 
something demonic. I was just closing up late and I just hear like some sort of weird like Gregorian chants. People who keep saying like, oh, Jack Hannah, the zoo. And I thought they were just talking about like going to the zoo, but I think they might have been putting a hex on Jack Hannah. Oh my God. Because when Jack I walk Hannah, by, the animal, the animal expert, you know how they be the mask with the bird beak on yeah. the front? Oh. And I just, and I saw a mask, so I didn't know who it was, but I saw a blonde mullet. Shawn Michaels sob is still in the parking lot. So I, I don't know what is what. I saw that. Shawn Michaels and Vince McMahon in a uh, uh, Jack Hanna cult. I'm going to turn my back to you right now. And if you want to go on your own, then walk off and leave. If you want to stick together and make this thing work, when I turn around, we're going to shake hands and we're going to go on a rock and roll like the rockers can do. They give a big old hug. Real yeah. big hug. Yeah, it looks mm-hmm. like things are going to work out, and then mm-hmm. boom, all of a sudden the kick heard around the world. See, one without the other isn't any good. Oh, oh, oh I knew he was going to do that. I just knew he was going to do that. He don't need Janetti. I told you that off and on. Are you kidding? What a despicable act that was. Right through the glass window of the barber shop. Chinetti tried to dive through the window to escape. Did you see that? Are you blind? What an act of cowardism. He killed him right in the fucking mouth. He did. He put the sweet chin music right up on him. Yeah. Did you did you see that coming? I could kind of feel that coming because I didn't understand what Marty was doing. Cause I'm in the back. You don't really see me, but I'm behind. I'm like off camera watching this, like, turn my back. What? What are you talking about turning your back? Because you didn't touch Sean either at this point. Yeah, I'm just like, why would you turn your back on this guy with a leather jacket on? Yeah. You know, the tension was at a level between them where I thought maybe they should kiss. And so then I was like, is this Marty making his move? Is this a kiss? It was getting really romantic. It was close to a kiss. I think the sexual tension got so big, he felt that they should kiss. But instead of doing that, he rejected it in the form of, a kick to the mouth. It's like he typoed in his head where he thought kiss, but then it typoed to kick. To and kick, was like, yeah. Uh-oh. And by the time he thought about it, like the foot was already in his face. Exactly. It's only two different letters. How differently history could have gone. Marty's devastated. Takes a yip right off top. Hits one right, the yazel right in front of the whole audience. Yeah. And that, you know, that was basically the beginning of the end for yeah. that, for that man the cocaine it was made out of cocaine then it was made out of cocaine which you know changes the physics of any situation changes how much you want to put your face in it too right exactly you're like oh my god this glass is now an oasis yeah there's definitely times that i would have put my face through glass for some cocaine Well, a lot of what you just heard uh, basically confirms what we already knew to be true. Vince McMahon was obsessed with Shawn Michaels, even going so far as to conjure the dark spirits in order to ensure their mutual success. It seemed to work for Vince and Shawn, but not so much for Marty Jannetty, 
who developed a dependency on tempered cocaine glass and was soon released from the WWE. Some of Derek's stories may sound far-fetched, but what's not supernatural is the human capacity for greed. Sean wanted the money and fame of single stardom, even if it meant sacrificing his tag team partner and animal expert Jack Hanna. Let's say we lived in a world made of chocolate, where Sean didn't superkick Marty in the face that day on the barbershop. Even if they decide to stay together, how could they coexist when we all knew Sean's true desires? And what about Derek and his screenplay? Derek never received compensation or credit for writing the screenplay Barbershop, which spawned the movies Barbershop, Barbershop 2, Back in Business, Beauty Shop, and Barbershop 3, The Next Cut. Did Vince steal the idea? Were Vince and Ice Cube friends? And maybe Vince mentioned in passing a story about a young black barber trying to make it on the south side of Chicago? Did that just slip into Ice Cube's consciousness? We don't have the answers, but it seems like a shame because Derek really trusted Vince. And I don't think that relationship can be repaired. You don't have to be a black barber to know that relationships are hard. And that's a fact that cuts right down to the bone. That's the show for tonight. I'd like to thank our guests, Alyssa Cowan, Derek Fiorentino, and Jamel Johnson. Music by Piff Tannen. If you want to join the conversation, you can do so on social media at Inside the Promo or at InsideThePromo.com. I'm your host, Matthew Newleaf. Good night. Whatever happened with that cocaine glass? Oh, well, you know, I might have kept a couple shards. Yeah, Zoom is drugs. <laughs>